Hi everybody and welcome to the Insomnia Running Club podcast. My name is Mark Gallagher. Here we chat about everything to do with running, feats of endurance, uh, inspiring stories, how-tos and generally everything that we chat about at the Running Club. Uh, First off, thank you very much for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome to the Insomnia Running Club podcast. I am your host Mark Gallagher. Today is the very, very first uh, interview um, that I have done uh, and for the podcast uh, also. Um, today I talked to a really, really cool guy, a uh, fellow by the name of Brian Donnelly. Brian Donnelly is a ultra runner, business owner, uh, all-round stand-up guy great great guy um he's one of those people um uh, that i met through through my work i sell cars i sold brian a car and the day he came in uh it was one of those conversations you know you lose track of time uh and you you have so much in common um but what someone is telling you it just resonates with you so much you know and everything brian was talking about it made so much sense it was so clear um, I just find it rare today that you find someone um, that will tell you how it is. You know, no glorified bullshit, uh, total sincere honesty backed up with first-hand uh, experience. And, and that is definitely uh, Brian. He doesn't have any problems at all about sharing uh, his stories. He's pretty open. He's pretty out there. And I think he's just a real cool guy and a real stand-up guy. Um, but in this episode... We talk uh, about ultra running uh, and especially about the ultra running mindset. Uh, you know, Brian talks, uh, you'll hear it, he talks a lot about where, the place you need to go uh, in your mind and the, the preparation uh, and the, the, the thinking behind starting marathon, an ultra marathon, you know, even getting to the starting block, um, where you need to be at, uh, which I find fascinating. Uh, and Brian also talks about um, how he brought that ultra mindset um, and put it into building uh, and uh, starting and building a, a super successful restaurant uh, by a rebel uh, on the Armour Road uh, in Belfast. Um, and he, it's just how he can adapt that mindset to bring forward in the other aspects um, of his uh, life, um, which I think is amazing. And Brian is also uh, the guy who convinced me um, to sign up for the Connemara 100, uh, which I am training for. And again, in his own way, which I find fascinating, he does not sugarcoat uh, anything. Tells you how it is, the nasty, horrible things you should expect. And for whatever reason... You then think to yourself, well, I thought to myself, right, that's it, definitely. That, that has rubber stamped it. I am, I'm going to, to do it. Um, so yes, I'm super excited to introduce you to Brian. Uh, please do forgive me for the, the quality of this audio. We're doing the best that we can, uh, in the middle of lockdown. We did have it set up through, uh, Skype. 
um, to which it didn't come out just as crystal clear as I want, which is which is the it's, it's not that not the ideal uh, the way I want it. But listen, his point comes across. Uh, Bran, he's a real real stand up guy. I'm so glad he agreed to to do the podcast. And without further ado, um, this is my chat with Brian. Like everybody else, just you know, I started running to lose weight basically. Uh, Mid 30s, I woke up one morning and I was fat, and no one had told me, you know, no one had said to me that I was getting fat. And uh, I started out trying to, you know, just run three miles and lose a bit of weight, and then that sort of like pounded up and up and up. And then next thing you run the marathon, and I think that's the, the normal story for most people. And um, I think it was maybe my third marathon. I thought I was pretty fit. I thought that life was going pretty good. And I had this, I finished it. It was Dublin Marathon. I finished it. And the the pain that I was suffering from the marathon was just insane. All my joints, muscles, everything was aching. And I knew it wasn't right. And I went on the internet and did a lot of research, like most people, you know. And he ended up looking at barefoot running and ultra running and uh, Tai Chi running, Chi running, all these different things. And I learned a lot of those about body form. And on that day, I signed up for three ultra marathons back to back. And the first one was uh, Connemara Ultra, 39 miles. Yeah. Then the um, the one that runs across the Moorns, 52 miler, and then the Connemara 100. And that was all in the space of uh, a year. They all, the, the sequencing of them was quite nice that it was like eight weeks between each race. Yeah. So you had a lot of time to train and then eight weeks between each race. And, you know, it's... Like 26 miles wasn't enough, 39 miles wasn't enough, 52 miles wasn't enough, 100 miles, believe it or not, wasn't enough. <laughs> so we finished the Connemara 100, um, really hard, made a lot of mistakes. It was my first time doing a big marathon, so nutrition, planning, sleeping, just organization, everything, I didn't, everything was wrong, I just turned up, I just ran 100 miles, just got it in under 24 hours, so I was happy with that. And then we went on to do a few other ones. We ended up doing like the Hard Mirrors One Two Five, which is a brutal race over in England. Yeah. Um, if you want real pain, that's I would definitely advise you go and do that. And again, a lot of mistakes made there. Um, I ran a 500 mile thing over a, over a few days for charity, which was a case of you know a couple of hundred miles and a few marathons and stuff, and then finishing off the 10k to raise some money for Royal National Lifeboats. Wow. Or an LA. Um, and that was that was that, that was that was good. That was a that was a big eye opener for me in terms of what you could actually do. Because five hundred miles is a is a lot. It's a long yeah, way. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot of miles. Yeah, and I thought because you know I, I don't we don't I've never done this to like raise any money or anything. It's like purely for selfish reasons. Um, and a lot of the guys that I've, I've bumped into because the ultra running scene, and it's particularly like when I've been going back seven ten years ago, it was super super small. They're, you know, they're very focused individuals. They're really cool, nice, laid back, easy going people. There's none of this BS that you get at the start of a marathon or something or a 10k, where people are talking about, oh, you know, I'm eating porridge today, or you know, what's your mile pace or any of that. Like, no, there's none of that shit. It's just like you turn it up. You know, you're going to hope that you're going to do really well. You're going to hope that you finish. And um, I agree. If you're eating a plate of mashed potato, if you're eating a raw can of baked beans, it doesn't matter. It's energy. People are just barren food and just you're talking about the the, the nutrition yeah. side of it and how clinical i suppose like shorter distance running yeah. can be 
Yeah, it's like you know, like everybody's raising money for cancer, which is a great thing, and running a ten k. And like, I always thought, you know, if you're out and you can run a ten k, then the cancer thing sort of looks after itself. You'll get an automatic reduction in cancer because you're fit and healthy. Yeah. You know, your the running is is connected to it. So I never really raised any money, and I thought that five hundred miles. Like, it's a long enough distance. I would give somebody money for running 500 miles. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'll, I'll definitely sponsor that. Whereas if you're running 10K, like, my attitude's, you know, you should be running 10K anyway. Yeah. Why should, you know, get off your ass and go and do it. So, um, yeah, so I, I started out just trying to lose some weight, and then it ended up, like, towing the line in some really good races. And, and the great thing about ultra running as well, um, I'm not sure what it's like now because I haven't done a race in a long time. I'm doing the Connemara 100 later on this year, which is my first race in maybe three or four years since I started the business. But you read about these guys in books or on a podcast or something, you know, and they're stood there and they're stood there racing in the same race that you're racing in. Like yeah. that was that was genuinely really cool. Like I was just like, oh shit, this is a real small community that I've suddenly become part of. Aye, that's it. You're towing the line. It's not as if you're at the Berlin Marathon or New York or Boston, something you have to, thousands and thousands of people go to. This is someone you could just bump into the night before in the hotel and all of a sudden you're towing the line with them the next day. Yeah, and it's, it's fantastic, you know. And it's like, it's, you know, I've, I think the question that most people ask is that, you know, and I've started to talk to you a little bit about it because I, I think I convinced you to do the 100 miler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the question really is, you know, why why would you want to run that for? That's what everybody asks. Like, why why would you want to do that? You know, because um, 10K, which is, it's only six miles. For your, your very average person, that's one hour of your day. For the most average person, that's one hour of your day. And the health benefits of just doing that one hour's exercise is just immeasurable. Then it's like, well, why would you do a marathon? 26 miles, 26.2 miles. A marathon has a totally different vibe to it. There's a lot of people. It's a lot of fun. You turn up, you know, and the next thing you run a 100-mile race, there's 9 to 16 people at no start line. It's 4.30, 5.30 in the morning, probably raining, probably cold. You're starting off with some tarmac, and you're going to spend most of your day running up and down mountains and going through an amazing amount of pain. And it's not like you hit 26 miles and the pain stops. That's your level of pain. They get incrementally gets more and more as you keep going, and I think it's this. It's, most people do it, you know. There's like a, a journey piece, like it's very much a spiritual element that they look at that you're trying to attain something. And certainly for me, that was the case. And also, it gets you in a, a different mindset. So you know, I kind of know what I can do whenever everything's against me. So you're stuck in a mountain. You're, it's minus four with a wind chill factor of ten. You're in lycra shorts. You've only got an energy bar. You, you're completely spent. You can make a phone call to get the helicopter to come and get you, or you can keep going. And for me, it was always like, keep going, keep going, keep going. So it's quite it's quite good from that perspective of, well, I know what I can do. I can do more than I thought I could do. And most people don't get that opportunity to, to put themselves and test themselves like that. And yeah. ultra running is just cool. Yeah, you know, that's all you can say about it. I think that's from talking to a lot of people. That seems to be what you've just said there. That uh, once you're spent, once you're once yeah. you've your idea of you're you're done for. That seems to be whenever most people's sort of races start. Or that's the reason why they've sort of signed up. There, it's 
whatever ever many miles before that seems to be irrelevant. It's what happens after those nasty miles. Once you're sort of spent, that seems to be the. Am I right in saying that 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 seems to be what people are signing up to these things for? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think I've run. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and uh, I think one of my reasons for running was the thought that it was going to help me beat alcoholism. And that wasn't the case, but neither here nor there, you became fit and healthy, and because of that sort of falsehood. But it always makes me laugh. Someone will say to you, like, you're training for a 100-mile race, which you're doing at the moment. Some of those distances that you're going to, some of your training runs are going to be really long, so maybe 30 miles, maybe 40 miles, or whatever they are. And people will be like, oh, well, where do you where do you run? How do you train for an ultramarathon? Where do you run? When you're doing 30 miles, you can run wherever the hell you want. You can run from here to Belfast. I'm in Downpatrick. I used to run from Downpatrick to work in Belfast three times a week. That's 26 miles. And I did that three times a week yeah. to get to work. Um, your mileage is huge. But the flip side of that is, you know, you, you, you do, well, I never had any injuries. Like, I only have good experiences from it. The fact that you have to do 26 miles or 30 miles means you're up and you're out early. You're maybe in the mountains or you're somewhere where there's nobody there. And, this, and the environment and the world around you gives you some really choice memories that other people haven't experienced. Like, they're just memories that are made for you because you made the extra effort to run that distance, to get there, to push yourself harder. And suddenly you're confronted with, like in my case, uh, like a stag in the Moore Mountains who was silhouetted nice. against a rising sun coming up and bellowing, you know, because he's looking for yeah. a mate or something like that. I mean, that was like, holy shit, that's friggin' like... I, I never thought I'd see something like that. Yeah, that's pretty oh, class. That's the type of stuff you see yeah. on a pops up in the background of a screen on Google or whatever while you're waiting on a screen loading. You don't actually ever imagine you'll see that in real life. Exactly. Or you know, you're running like in, I did the hard moors, and that was that was just so tough. And you're running across the Seven Sisters at night time, and you know the cliffs and the things. It's it's kind of it's kind of mad. And you see these amazing things and. Yeah, it just takes you to a very special place. It takes you to a very special place. And I, I, the thing is, if you can run three miles, you can run 100 miles. I mean, it's, yeah. there's, there's no difference to it. It's all about mindset. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's actually one of the things I was wanting to get, because chatting the other day, um, for anybody listening, Brian bought a car for me, and pretty much we had this conversation while, while buying a car uh, one day, and he was talking, and it's actually inspired me to, to, to go for a Connemara 100 is, is what I'm training for uh, and I think it is that that what you've said you know if you can run a marathon it's just mindset yeah. it's purely you know it's whatever limitations whatever ceiling you put on something you know you, yeah. you'll get to that yeah. you know really if you put a ceiling as you say is 10k well that's it you're a 10k person if you put a ceiling as a 500 mile uh, runner well then you're, you're going to run that 500 mile it's it's all relevant to what you're a lot of people would would have come to me and asked for like some advice and you know you get the you get the usual guy said well i couldn't run the length of myself well that's not really that's not a boast like that's that's just yeah that's been irresponsible that's been irresponsible that's what that is or people saying oh i couldn't i couldn't run three miles or i couldn't run and all i had to say to them is like yeah you're absolutely right you can't yeah you can't if that's if you're telling me you can't do it then you can't do it yeah ah you're big before you start yeah, I'm I'm sort of a tough love sort of guy. And it's not it's not my responsibility to convince you to do something that's going to better yourself. It's your responsibility to do that. So when you're coming to someone 
like me or somebody else, like, oh, I, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, if you, if you think you can't do it, then you're not going to do it. But you'll be surprised what you can do. Yeah. Like, there's, loads of, there's loads of people on the internet now, particularly with this lockdown thing. And you, you're actually in some really inspiring stories, you know, people losing 20 and 30 stone of weight. I mean, that's fucking insane. Yeah. Um, things, things that have inspired me. Like, there's, I did one of the Dublin marathons I did, and I think I ran, I'm not very fast in marathon, I think I ran a 3.18 or something, so I'm like, I'm pretty I'm pretty slow. I think that's really good. I was faster than me, so that's all right. <laughs> um, but we'd, we'd finished the marathon, and it was really, you know, it was cool, it was a really good day, and I had a, I had a great race, and the mates had a great race. And um, we were walking back towards the hotel, and they're clearing away the race, you know, because the, the clear-up crew are coming behind. And so they're clearing away the cones and everything. And I walk around the corner, and there's this, there's this huge, morbidly obese guy, like, waddling down the marathon course with his personal trainer beside him, telling him, telling him that he can do it, telling him to keep going. And this guy, the marathon was over, people had gone home. This guy was still trucking on to get to the finish line. And I was like, I was blown away by it. I was like, yeah. holy shit. You know, most people in his situation would have absolutely, 100%, they probably wouldn't have went to the start line. Yeah. And if they'd seen the cleanup crew, you know, overtaking them and clearing away the route, they'd be like, oh, well, forget about it. That's yeah, my day done. disheartening is that? It, yeah, and this dude was still kicking on, and I was just like, fuck. And I got, I was like, total, that was massive, massive respect, like, for that, that guy to do that. And that's the sort of thing that sort of pushes you on. It's not, it's not the fit, healthy guy. You know, I'm sure like you listen to guys like Dave Goggin. I listen to Dave Goggins and Jocko Willick and Rich Roll yeah. and you know the, the usual lineup of people that are into ultra stuff. And you know, it's Dave Goggins like he needs to take a day off. Like the guy is just so <laughs> intense. You know, it's like fucking, like normal people don't operate like that. Yeah, know? Jocko Willick like he's just got, he's a furnace of a man. Yeah. And. Um, but part of their part of their job is to be super fit and super healthy. That's part of their job. Like we work in the real world. Yeah. You know, you turn up and at work at whatever you're thirty, and you work there until five thirty, six thirty, whatever it is. Yeah. And my my job is a little bit different. I'm a chef, so it's like I could be working all day. It's very difficult to get that that exercise and you know to to work into your actual routine and yeah. you maintain relationships. And you know, you have a lot of all the things that you need to do in your life. That's not about you, it's about other people. And so, I mean, to me, it's quite inspiring to see that anybody that gets up off their ass and takes responsibility for themselves and goes out and just does it. Yeah. It's a great thing. All power to them. It, it's uh, That's more inspiring than, yeah, the the, the, the outer extremes of it, um, the David Goggins and the Jocko Willinks. Uh, Willinks. Um, well, that's one of the questions I was going to ask you about was mindset, and, and you, you've touched on that. Um, and one of one of the main reasons why I wanted to get an interview with you uh, is because you've mentioned you're a chef and you've just opened up your your own restaurant um, three years ago, two years ago, three yeah. years, three years ago, three yeah. years ago, um, and you told me the story about how that came to be, uh, and yeah. I would well I'm I'm reading between the lines, but I imagine there's part of that mindset that played a part in actually getting it to where it is now and uh, from because essentially from what I believe it started from zilch from from absolutely nothing from a random conversation one day really with a a fella uh, and and your brother I think Um, um, but can you tell us a bit about that how Bio Rebel came to be yeah so 
Um, where I will start, well, I'm, I'm a chef. I've worked for a lot of guys. I've worked for Gordon Ramsay and all them sort of people, you know. So I've got a pretty good CV, and I'd never, I never envisaged actually running my own business. I was really happy working for other people. So I didn't have the bug to go out and do my own thing. And um, one of the things that I did was I would sort of help restaurants turn around from being pretty performing to being, you know, performing better. Then it's sort of kind of like a consultant almost. Um, and a lot of restaurants, they make very basic errors and basic things. Some of them are completely screwed, so you just write them off straight off way and save everybody money and heartache. Um, but then this one particular place, I it's, I was it was quite a big job, so I went in there for like six six to eight months, and um, I got them back on track. And they wanted to be like an Irishy restaurant, and the guy they had was doing like crazy stuff, and the costs were right up the left and everything. But anyway, got it sorted out, got it moving forward, and then coming into Christmas, uh, one of the guys, one of the owners, uh, came up to me and it was like wanted me to use a non-Irish product, a core product. And I was sort of like, going, well, that's the reason that you're in the shit in the first place. And kind of at that point, I was like, oh, well, I should really do something for myself because I can't, I can't work for these guys anymore. Yeah. And we spent, I got a stall down in St. George's Market on a Friday, which isn't really a food day, with my partner Jenny. And every Friday we went down, we tried something different. You know, fry, we tried fried pies, healthy food, unhealthy food. It's like we're just looking for something. I suppose there's the research and development phase. And we ended up one day making ramen. And the reason that I ended up making ramen was I decided that if it hadn't worked, if the stall hadn't worked and hadn't found something within a set time frame, which was pre-Christmas, uh, I was just going to take a job in Dubai, get a six-figure salary, and be happy with my lot. Yeah. And I bumped into a guy from Sugi Tea, Oscar Woolley, which I'm sure if anybody's listening to this, maybe has tried Sugi Tea. It's amazing tea. Um, he started to talk about tea and how he selects his tea and about flavour. And I was in my head, I was like, oh shit, this sounds a bit like something that I'm thinking about. And I had a bit of a chat with him. And I said, look, I'll come back to you in two weeks' time. And I went away and I made a bowl of ramen, which doesn't sound like big stuff because it's just noodle soup. But I really wanted to make it from scratch. I wanted to make it very personal to me. I wanted to, to have the flavour and the representation of Northern Ireland, where we come from. And I didn't want it to be a fake uh, Japanese dish, like if you're going to Wagamama's or somewhere, which is a, you know, which is a fine brand and everything, but you know, I'm I'm not really into eat, eating shit, and I don't like shit, and I don't like mediocrity, so I just, you know, I wanted to do something that was really, really good and uh, that I could stand over and I could be happy with, if that's what I had to cook for the rest of my life. And I came back. We used we used Suki tea in the in the product, um, to do our, our smoked tea egg, which is quite well known now, particularly in Japan and San Francisco and places like that. And on our first day of selling ramen, it sold out, which was like wow. fucking oh yeah, um, unbelievable. Like, we only had 20 portions. Let's, you know, let's be clear. The starting <laughs> base was very low. <laughs> you know, I, I made more profit on that day than I had the, for the entirety of the year before. And I only made a profit of like £22 or something. So, to, <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of money to get to that point. But I did it for a couple of weeks. And I was very adamant. It's like only people... I only because we're only doing like twenty five or thirty portions. I knew that I didn't have to sell to everybody. Yeah. I was just happy selling to people that wanted to eat it. So, like if people came up and I didn't think they were going to like it, I wouldn't sell them the soup. And I told them, you know, I said that they need to go somewhere else, and um, to save time and money and experience and stuff because if they don't like it, 
you know, it's not really my fault. They're just in the wrong queue. Yeah. If they've had a bad experience, it's like I'm just making this thing, you know. It's a bit like you in the car trade. If I went to you and bought, as I bought in this case, was a Sangyong Jeep, which is amazing, by the way. <laughs> totally um, camouflage really as well. well. <laughs> yeah, but if I really wanted a Mitsubishi L200, and then I came back to you and complained about the quality of the car I bought of you, because I really wanted a Mitsubishi, well, you would just say to me, well, why the hell did you buy a Mitsubishi? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not your fault. Like, you've sold me the correct thing. Yeah. I was just bought the wrong thing. So I sort of was quite clear about that. But anyway, we sold it. We sold out. We sold out and sold out. And it sort of built and built and built. And that was really great. I mean, it's not one of these wonder stories where we're selling thousands and thousands of pounds every Friday. It definitely wasn't that. But it was enough to sort of encourage you on. And then we bought a food truck and we set up with the big fish. And Belfast City Council talk a really good game about encouraging food entrepreneurs to like set up around the city and they want to be this cultural city and be like Paris. I mean, that's 100% bullshit. Right, okay. they, do not, they want it in, Yeah, they want it in theory, but in practicality, they don't want it at all, you know? So you have to sort of cut through that. And you can't really be, you can't be annoyed at the civil servants because there's no, there's no gaining for them to do new things. If you're a civil servant, you stick to the letter of the law because if you take a chance to do something new, and it works out, you don't get rewarded for it. But if it doesn't work out, you'll get punished for it. So there's no advantage to you taking a chance. So you can't really be pissed off at the council people, but it's just they're not they're not coherent with what they're doing. But shooting on through that, the, the little business at the fish was like, it was working, people were coming out. Like you're trying to do a brand new thing in Belfast, that's going to be tough. We're a super conservative society. We like the things we like. We don't like to be taught things or told things. You know, like Northern Irish people are very particular. Yeah. Particular people. Meat and spuds and burgers and hot dogs. Yeah. And if you, if you come around and you're telling somebody, oh, you're doing that. Like, we're looking at them going, who does your man think he is? Like, we're all, we're all like that, you know? But as soon as you get the Northern Irish person to ask a question and they want some knowledge, holy shit, like, they really want to absorb it like a sponge. And if they're, if they're loyal to you and support you, my God, they really support you. Like, it's this it's something else. Like, it really is. It's fantastic, you know? So we're really lucky that we sort of went through that process. And I didn't come out of, I think, from running the big races and, like, dealing with alcohol and stuff like that. I definitely, like, got my ego in check. And, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of humble, trying to stay humble and trying to stay, you know, focused and in the moment and all that carry on. Um, and so you never got ahead of yourself. So when someone said something to you, constructive constructively like you would change your business to, to fit that customer's perspective if it made sense to take it on board you know, because the, yeah because the customer is actually the person that helps you build your business you know you don't come out of the trap with like this fucking fully formed idea and make a million quid like that's that just doesn't fucking happen yeah you know the customer listen to your customer continuously is what builds your business yeah so sort of fly on we're about a year into it now and it's going really well um, we're like thinking of, we're thinking about getting a premises. We're not we haven't committed to getting a premises, but we're thinking about it. And Jenny's having coffee on the Ormer Road in a place called Cafe O, which is pretty which is a good coffee spot. I'm sure a lot of people know it. If you're a runner, you've definitely had an espresso there probably. And she's seen a spot that's next door to Cafe O. And it said, you know, uh, for rent, call the landlord and that's it. And we're like, Oh right, let's give them a call. We had no intention of getting it because we had no money. This is really crucial. The, the fact I had no money, I think, is critical to the, the whole, the whole work, how, I don't understand why I'm here today type of thing. Yeah. But um, phoned the landlord. He said, all right, okay, I'll, I'll have a meeting. 
and he and I says, okay, look, we're at the big fish most days. Please come down. He came down in the morning, and he spent maybe four or five hours there talking to us. He was inside the trailer. He was talking to customers. Like the, the guy wouldn't leave, you know. And I'm like, it's a bit bizarre. Yeah. And the next thing he turned around, he says, oh, I'd love to have you as a, a tenant. He said, I've spoken to the customers, I've spoken to everybody. You know, he, he wanted to find out about me as a person um, because he wanted to get a, lo- a local guy in. He didn't want a big business. You know, he was yeah. very adamant about it as a tenant. And he gave me the great news that, congratulations, I would like you to be my tenant. And I had to give him the bad news of, <laughs> well, I have zero money. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think you were going to say yes to me. And I just wanted to go through the process because I'd never rented a commercial building before. So this is this is a bit sucky. And he said, look, I'm going to give you four weeks. See if you can get the money together. I'll take the premises off for four weeks because um, we're running into Christmas at this point. He said, I'll phone you in the first or second week of January or whatever it was. And, you know, and we'll see if we can do it. And I was like, all right, okay. So I'm sitting uh, over Christmas thinking, how am I going to get this money together? How am I going to get the money together? And then you need to start to think laterally at this point. So you can go to the, your local banks and things and be turned down. Or, if you're me, you go to the Swedish bank and you put in for a loan in Sweden. Because where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah. So we, we got a, like, and I mean a tiny loan. We're, t- we're talking like a few thousand pounds here. We're not talking like 80 or 100k. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the restaurant business, but I imagine a restaurant opening up it is tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands generally to get these things up off the ground absolutely and I've, like, I have friends uh, recently they're in the process of opening one like it's uh, 320,000 of spent holy shit so you know um, there's another restaurant um, up right by Hagamore was, they did a fit out it was half a million quid right so I, I was like single digit thousand pounds here yeah so I got the money and I'm like alright okay Phone the landlord, tell him, okay, we'll do the deal. I'll go in on the 1st of March. You know, so he's going to give me a month's uh, free rent, which was February. Yeah. And I'm going to go and pay the first first quarter's rent on the 1st of March, um, which worked out quite well because environmental health needs 28 days, and there's bits and pieces. You're not allowed, you can't open a restaurant straight away. You have to wait 28 days and all this sort of stuff. So I go to another company, and I've only got a few thousand pounds. I buy a few bits and pieces of equipment. I get a lease. I get a lease deal um, from some catering companies and stuff like that. I scour the second-hand places to get benches and things. You know, it's like get what you need. Don't get what you want. Get what you need. Um, spend a little bit of money to get um, customer benches and stuff made up to make it look nice, as nice as I could. And uh, on the 20th of March, or on the 1st of March, we opened our doors for trading. All right, so it was exactly the 28th day cool-off period or waiting period that the environmental health specify. The environmental health were very surprised that I was open on the 28th days, to be honest, because most restaurants aren't right, open okay. on the 28th days. I, I would have been open like a lot sooner if I could because I need to get some money in my hands. Yeah. So on the first, I've, I've got the restaurant. I've employed the staff. Okay? Um, we're about to open for business, but I've got a real problem now. The problem is I don't have enough money pay the rent, which is due on the 1st of March, which is the opening day, and I don't have enough money to pay um, to buy produce to cook, so I have to make a decision. Like, well, do I, which one do I need? I need, definitely need to, I definitely need to get the produce, otherwise you can't pay the rent. You know? Yeah. And I look at my staff who I've employed, and I tell them straight up, 
It's like, look, I don't have any money to pay anybody today. Like, nobody. I can't pay the landlord. I can't pay you. I can't pay. I have no money. So we need to sell some shit today to pay to pay, yeah. to pay everybody. <laughs> just to get things going. Just to, just to move. Just to move. And, uh, you know, and, and thankfully, thankfully it worked out for us. Like, we, you know, we, we got a good reception. People knew us. They came in. You know, and within a day, I'd paid the rent. For that, you know, within wow. a day, I paid the rent. But then, within a month, I paid all the staff. You know, everything, everything kind of worked out. I suppose would be the way yeah. to put it. Um, but you talk about mindset. It's like most people would quit at the "I don't have any money" point. Yeah, I. That's a too but big like, a stumbling block to even to get over initially. Never yeah. mind. Yeah. Get the get like, the opening that's, day. That's the same as saying like, uh, I I couldn't run three miles, or I can't. I get the best example I can give you, and this is like, I did the Wicklow, the Wicklow, um, the Wicklow Way. Yes, uh, yes, sorry, the, it, yeah. Let's call it the Ordinate. If you've never done it, it's not that it's not actually that hard a race, really, because it's only thirty nine miles, twenty six of it's on tarmac, and the last thirty miles in the Wicklow Mountains. Yeah. So really easy up until this point, but it's on the first weekend in January. It leaves Dublin Castle at two thirty in the morning. And runs into the Wicklow Mountains. You are cold. You are yeah. cold. You will experience cold here like you have never had an idea. The Wicklow Mountains are a pure bog. It is cold. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It's fucking cold. And it's foggy. So you have to navigate. You know, you can go with guides and stuff. But if you're me, you'll take a map and off you go. So you have to navigate. So you have to pay attention. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot going on. But you will get to the point where you'll say, right, I can't go on here. This is too much. You know, the cold, yeah. pain, you're hungry, like you're, you're pissed off, yeah. you've had enough. <laughs> Getting but, angry at yourself, why did, I, why did I do this? Yeah, I'm an idiot. You know, I can't do this. I'm an idiot. I can't do this. I made a mistake. And you may, you might have. But if you quit, what does that say about you? You know, you're still upright. You're still breathing. You can still move. You know, get up. Yeah. Fucking move. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. And um, once, once you get out of the bog and you get back on that sort of hard path, the pain, the shock that goes through your body because of the coldness of your feet and everything is so, so freaking intense. But guess what? You don't run. You shuffle. Yeah. The, the amount of pain. You just keep going and keep going. Yeah. So when people say, like, I had no money to start a business, I'm like, well, I actually had no money to start a business and I started a business. Yeah. You know, it's just a hurdle. How do you overcome the hurdle? Yeah. What are you prepared to do? How far are you prepared to go? Yeah. And trust me, I worked. Like, I opened that. That wasn't like, I opened it and it's a nine-to-five job. I was 5.30 to 2.30 for wow. three months minimum. Wow. Every day, except week. I was like, if I was prop, there's no race that has had me so, I'm going to use the word fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fran, I was expecting that beforehand. In fairness, I, th- I thought the word fuck would have came up a lot more b- before this yeah. point already. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it's definitely, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot to do with mindset. And it's just like, if you want, it's like, if you want to do it, you will do it. But you need to be disciplined enough to do it. 100%. You're the person that has to get your ass up out of bed. You're the person that has to go the extra mile. You're the person, like, it's, it's all down to you. Because in a in a race like uh, the Art of Neil or Hardmers, any of these things, nobody is going to carry you. Like you are, you are alone. Yeah. You're as as alone as you can be. 
um, without you know, unless something really dramatic happens, like cancerous, you know, one of those really terrible, terrible things. In those dark low moments, like nobody can say anything to you that'll pull you out of it. Nobody can give you anything that'll make you feel better. Yeah. No warm cup of tea is going to get you over that hump. Yeah. It's only you. You're in the dark moment alone, and how you behave inside that moment. This sort of dictates how the rest of your yeah. day is going to be, and how the rest of your life is going to be, and how you are going to be as a human being, and how you're going to function in the day-to-day world. And it, it makes it very, it does, it makes it a little bit difficult for you when you're like looking at other people who aren't kind of living up to that. Yeah, it's, it's hard. Bit. It's hard to, it's hard to sit back and not say it's, it's on you. You know, it's in your head that you, you're, you're putting limitations on yourself. But in the world of people that aren't out doing ultras or whatever, you, you feel you can't be so hard-assed and, and almost tell people that it's, it's their own journey, it's their own pain that they have to endure, it's their own decisions that they make sort of thing. Is that right? Is that what you're sort of getting yeah, across? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter. I mean, you don't, you don't have to. It's not okay if somebody said, well, sorry, if you went and ran 100 miles, you you know. Like, you, you do your thing, whatever your thing is. If you, if you wanted to be, I don't know, I, I'm really interested in quantum physics. For, for no particular reason other than it just fucking completely warps my mind, right? Yeah. But I get up my ass and I'll go and I'll get a book and I'll read a book because I'm interested in it. Yeah. Right? Most people will most people will be like, oh, that's sort of interesting. And then it stops there. That's it, done. Yeah. It's, it's done. Like, I'm, I'm curious. I'm a curious person. And I know a lot of people, like, you, you're a curious guy and a lot of the people I know and that, that, that kind of we uh, connect with, they have a curiosity that they need to they need to fulfil the curiosity. Yeah. It's, it's like, like most people will read the Facebook headline and that's enough for them. Yeah. Like I'll see the Facebook headline and I'm like, well what the hell does that mean? Yeah. You know? And, and uh, you you've you've delve into it and you've the you've the engrossed you almost it becomes not so much obsessive, but you've the you've to find out how does that work? How does someone go and do that sort of thing? Or yeah. How... yeah, but you want you want to know. Yeah. You want to know. You know, so when I started, like I didn't start to run ultra marathons. I started to lose weight. So on my very first run, I want to do a three-mile run. There's a three-mile loop where I live. I didn't even do one mile. I was I destroyed myself in one mile. I was really out of shape. So I'm in my early 30s, and I, like I hurt my knee. And it, like you, you kind of go out running. If you haven't run for a long time, your head still thinks you're 18 or 16. Yeah. Your body's like you really you've misused the machinery <laughs> here for a lot of years. You know, yeah, you haven't serviced it well, you haven't kept it up to date, nothing's running yeah, the way it should be. You've been an average pub one too many times, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but when I started running that three mile, I didn't run a three mile, I didn't run a three mile loop day one. Like, this is the, this is the most, it's, it's the most memorable, I'm going to say, race or accomplishment, was this little three mile loop. But I started out, it was like a run walk, it was more of a walk run at the beginning. And, like, there's lampposts, and I just looked at it, like, stitching together a piece of fabric. And, you know, on the first day, if I had to, like, run between two lampposts and then walk two lampposts and run two lampposts or whatever it was, the next day I would try to run across two lampposts and walk one lampost to try and knit a run together, a cohesive run together. And I think it took me nearly three months to get my first three-mile run done. And it took me, I think, the best part of maybe 40 minutes to run three miles. And I was fucking, I was totally made up. Blown I was away. just like, holy shit. 
oh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe I'd just done it. Couldn't yeah. believe I'd just done it. But that's three months dedication. I was getting up. Like, I had to get up at five thirty in the morning. I was the one that had to put my shoes on. I was the one that looked out of and if it was raining, went back, got a bloody um, a waterproof coat, and went out into it and did it again and did it again. And once you did three miles, you know, I remember doing the first training marathon program and thinking to myself, as you come to the end of it, today I'm going to run 18 miles. Yeah. You know, I've been kind of overwhelmed with the fact that I'm just about to do something that I literally never, ever done before. Yeah. And I've never run 18 miles before in my life. And the feeling of it was just like, oh my God, this feels freaking amazing. And you sort of get that feeling as well. I think it was, uh, uh, it wasn't Rich Roll. It was, uh, I can't remember, there's another guy. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a drug addict guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. But he described it as like, it's uh, like towing up to the line of an ultramarathon. It's, it's, it's a bit like going on a huge bender. Like you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know? on a 10k you kind of know what's going to happen on a 10k yeah if you run enough you know i'm not i'm not in great shape i'm training for the conamara 100 at the moment as well like i'm like nowhere near as fit as you um but i'm definitely getting up there but even if i went to run a marathon day i would kind of know what a marathon was going to hold i could probably predict my time you know yeah my 16 mile 18 this is going to happen you know you can control the variables within 26.2 miles pretty well yeah but if you run 100 miles today, you don't know what's going to happen, and you'll do it. Yeah. But if you run 100 miles next week, you still don't know what's going to happen. Aye, it's, it's just... 100 miles. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It's so you know, out there. It's, like, it's You can't get used to it because it's so out there. Yeah, you know, and you, you're maybe having an off day. Or, like, at what point is your body going to reject and just turn around and say, like, you know, it could be a freaking, it could be a mile seven where your body's like, you know what, this, I'm just going to bonk here. This is going to be terrible. You're not going to have a nice time. It could be a mile ninety nine. It could be a mile seventy five. You have no idea. Yeah. You know, do you have you taken enough liquids on board? Have you taken enough food? Is your stomach operating all right? Has it, has it rained? Has there been a, a temperature drop? Is there a temperature spike? There's all of these things that can happen, and that's what kind of makes it exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I get all starts. I mean, it is that. I get all starts with the first step. You know, all that kind of yeah. shit. Um, but it really is like you, you know you're responsible for getting your ass up off the sofa and getting out and doing something. Yeah. That is up to you, you know. Because like I said, at the low points, it's only like you've run a marathon and you've bonked in a marathon. Yeah. As people I'm sure that listen to your um, your podcast yeah. have, like that, that's a low point. That's a dark point for you. Like you don't feel good. You're not happy. No. You're not a happy person. No, I trained for this. How come this is happening? Why, why me? Why is this? Why is my body letting me down at the mile 18? Yeah, but then in, in two miles, in miles 21, two, you know, you get over it, you start to recover, you come back, and you run across the finish line, you feel great. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's a, it's a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, you like, forget about mile 18, you forget about the bonkers. Yeah, yeah, in a 100 mile race, you might bonk, you might bonk, you might two or three times. Yeah. You know, but you have done you could have done everything in your power to minimize that. So you know, when I looked at that so like you look know, nutrition, body actually nutrition, all the things and there's a lot of stuff to look at. Which if you're kinda of dirty like me, it makes it really interesting. Yeah. But what you can do is you can minimize the length of time that that bunk happens. So it's basically you're switching from fuels, you're switching from uh, rice, black carbohydrate over to fat. So your, your body's flipping and switching and it has to like 
few lines up and running. It's the best way, best way to look at it. And um, that normally takes an average person. It's going to take them about forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah. So if he's bonking my eighteen, he starts doing better at about minute twenty twenty-one. Isn't no surprise that that's about forty-five minutes to an hour, right? So you can work really, you can work really hard at doing that. But putting yourself in the scenarios where you know you're going to you're going to bunk with, you're going to have that low energy by doing um, long back-to-back runs and doing the fast day on the first day on your first long run, which is good yeah. and getting up and then doing a long run the second day. That's a simulate the, the feeling. And like for me, I got it down from it was like 47 minutes. As I was pretty in the better, and I got it down in like 22 minutes. Wow. Just to get that transfer happen. Um, you're not going to eradicate it, but you're sort of minimizing it. Yeah. But then the also the other thing was that you can the other thing that I, that I learned about myself is it's very much about you. Like I learned the signs of that this is going to happen. Yeah. And you maybe learn that sign like 15 or 20 minutes out. Like, oh shit! You know, this is in the pipeline for me. And you start to take corrective action. So maybe like eat a red pudding or get a get a um, electrolyte drink into you or something. Like you know, what's, you know what's in the pipeline. You know what's going to arrive. Yeah. You're getting something in your body. You're getting ready. You're getting you know. Yeah. You can um, mentally prepare yourself for a bit of pain, but you're already working to get on the other side of it. Really. week and decided to run for 24 hours for charity so just randomly <laughs> done an 81 mile <laughs> done an 81 mile long run but previous to that it was uh 30 35 40 miles just sort of creeping up in the long runs yeah so uh, you, you start because you've got so much time by yourself yeah if you do start you know you do start to pay attention to what the hell's going on with yourself yeah it gives you a slightly better understanding like it's quite i mean you should need to look at it like a meditative experience as well yeah so try don't just switch off and do it it's like you know try to get something out of it try to understand yourself a bit better uh, like I, I spend a lot of time focusing on body position okay so if anybody anybody's listening to this and they don't want to get any injuries they should get a book called chi running chi like running chi running um and it's it's quite spiritual in its approach but if you're like me i don't really believe in that josh stick sandal wearing kind of stuff yeah so you kind of jet and look at the biomechanics of what they're prescribing. So Tai Chi is about balancing energy. Yeah. Right? That sounds like all mystical and everything, but energy is just the same as putting fuel into your car. You know, if your tires are running a bit flat, you're not getting efficient transfer of energy onto the road. You use more fuel. Yeah. If you've got tire pressure, you use less fuel. Really fucking simple. Yeah. It's the same if you're having a good body posture, you're using more fuel. You want to use less fuel, so get good body posture. If you injure yourself because of poor body posture, you know, you're not getting, you're not training, you're not out there, you haven't paid attention yeah. because you've been a nurse, think you're above it, you're not above it. 
once I once I took on the sort of chi running philosophy. Um, before that, I like a lot of guys to get injuries, marathon training, they're always injuries, they're always taped up. I was running like 150 miles a week minimum, wow. and cycling hundred plus a week as well. I had no injuries, three four years, no injuries whatsoever. That's incredible. Not, through not body posture, you would be one of the major yeah. contributing factors. Body posture really does make sense yeah. when you put it that way. I mean, that old thing if you know if you can explain it to a five year old, then you understand it. I mean, from you saying that, you know, the car analogy, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it is. If you like, if you th- if you think about running up a hill and you want to run faster, people kind of bend forward and they bend forward at their at their hips. Yeah. So their legs are, but their their top their torso was bent forward. If you look at how much energy you're expelling just to support the torso, like you're putting a lot of strain on your hamstrings on your glutes, all of that there. You know, it's it's not good. It's not a good. It's not a good uh, no. long term um, like uh, uh, forecast for yourself. But if you have like a correct body posture, like that doesn't happen, and yeah. you become much more efficient. So like I knew, for example, that I could run a marathon on like five skittles. Like that's the amount of energy I needed to run a marathon. And I needed five skittles worth of energy. Yeah. To run twenty six miles. That's pretty the specific. Like that's. Uh... Yeah, you know, I'd really looked at it like because I've done a lot. I go, I go, I'm not OCD, but I definitely go deeper than you a, knew a exactly product. what your you knew yourself. You knew what your body needed yeah. to get the job done. I knew I could do I could run seventy five miles nonstop. Right, I knew that for a fact. And everything after that then was like, oh, I don't know really. What, I don't really know what's going to happen here. You know, would I get to eighty? Would you get to eighty five before it all broke down? You don't really know, but like I knew for a fact, seventy miles, boom, done. We can yeah. get that done. We can get boxed out of the way. I could probably give you a, quite a good time on it, like in terms of how long it would take me to do it. But then it doesn't really matter, as, as I'm sure you'll know, and you'll definitely experience it once you start getting up in the hundred mile mark. You could be feeling like you could take on the world at mile ninety. Yeah. At mile ninety one, your race is over. Yeah. You know, you get into that dark place, um, and if you if you tell yourself you're finished. You are you're finished. finished. Yeah. 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 And it just happens as quick as that. It's like, fuck, I can't go on, guys. And I see, I just, I see so many guys, t- like, we're not toe the line. They spent the money, they spent the time, they spent the training on it, and at no point did they actually got themselves in the right mindset yeah. to complete the task. Physically, they could do and it, but mentally, they just weren't, weren't prepared. They hadn't done many mental training to get themselves across the line. Yeah, and I look at how much look at how much time and energy you've invested in this, and money you've invested. In. Like it's, to, to enter a, um, a longer marathon is not. I can't remember this, but the, I mean they're not they're not really they're not crazy expensive, but they're definitely more expensive than entering a marathon. It's like yeah, uh, some of them. The one I'm, I'm doing one next year, and it's like nearly a thousand pounds to enter it. You know, but it's wow. a multi day thing. I guess like a grand. Like if you're going to be if you spend a thousand pounds on an an exam for whatever yeah. industry you're in. Yeah. You're gonna sit down, study. You're gonna study. Yeah, you're you'll hang that up in your hallway. You've got that the certificate if you've uh, if you complete it. Yeah. Yeah, you've, you've spent a grand. You don't want to spend another grand to do it again. You just want to do it the one time. Yeah. Because you've spent your money. You've spent your time studying. You've spent your. You want to get it done. So you look at all aspects. It's like turning up at a, at a like even something as simple as a marathon. And. Like I know, like the marathon programs would suggest, like only run to eighteen miles, which is a complete mistake. Like don't follow that program. Yeah. 
Like, you should have went to 22 miles to find out what it was like. Yeah, there's too much but uncharted like, territory past the 18 miles, really. Yeah, and almost everybody says, after 18 miles, your body will bonk, right? Yeah. Yeah, the training program only goes to 18 miles. Yeah. So why, why don't you go, why don't you go, well, I know that's going to happen. Like, I've been told by enough people that that's going to happen. I should really go and find out what that's about. Yeah. So if you're doing your exam, for example, whatever it is, and they tell you a question about, you're in the car phase, so a question about tires is definitely going to come up. Definitely Pirelli tires is definitely going to come up. And the, you know, the, the manual stops at Michelin tires. Well, you're going to go and find out about Pirelli yeah. tires because everybody it's going to come is up. definitely going to. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's like, you're definitely going to bonk. Go and bonk, find out what it's like. It's really shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's a real shitty <laughs> lesson, but it's a lesson all the same. Yeah, you know, and like come home and be miserable for the day. I'm yeah. like, oh man, that sucked ass. Uh, because on the marathon day, you don't want it to be like really sucky. You want it to be like, oh, you know, I want to have a good time. I'm yeah. here with my friends. There's a good buzz about it. Like you're walking down and people, everybody on the side, is clapping you on. Fair play, day. There's only a mile left. And all the other lads. Not far to go now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fuck this five miles. Like I can read the map. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> you're not helping me at all. But uh, yeah, it's like it's do as much as you can, and it is about being a little bit self-absorbed. You know, to get the best out of you yeah. because it is your thing. Yeah. And um, but then the flip side of it, I think in your in your day-to-day life, like you become a, you kind of become a little bit of a better person because you've experienced it like a, a hardship. Like yeah, at a good deep level, so you you can look at other people and go, well, you're more, a little bit more understanding. It's like having, it's like when you change from having no kids to having kids, your perspective on life, yeah, and people change. You know, you're more patient. You understand that maybe some people need a little bit of extra help. You under, there's a lot more understanding. Um, you're fit, you're healthy, you're out for a run in the morning, so the rest of your day is going to be really good because you've got you know fresh blood pumping yeah. through your brain, and all of that. Like the the benefits of of running are absolutely fen- and phenomenal. And then you'll have people turn around and say, well, I went to my doctor and they talk about knees and bones, you know, running being so bad for you. Like, these doctors are full of shit, you know? Because, like, the majority of the doctors that tell you that are, like, overweight. Massively overweight, yeah. Middle-aged, ready for the bin. Exactly. It's like, you know, if if a guy works at McDonald's and he's telling you how to make a steak bernays, the chances are he doesn't know how to make steak (laughs) bernays because he's working at McDonald's, you know? Yeah. If the doctor's overweight, the chances are he doesn't look after himself. Yeah. So he's in no position to give you health advice. Yeah. You know, look, look at the person that's saying the thing to you and go, right, okay, it, can I take his information on board? Does does the two things add up? Um, you know, like I say, I ran like thousands of miles in a year, zero injuries. Like all the evidence points to stronger bones, better joint density, better um, flexibility, better muscle conditioning dementia, cancer, all this stuff, like, down, down, down. Yeah. But reducing the chances of getting it in the longer term by simply getting off your hold, putting on a pair of trainers, and going out and spending it all, like, milling around, running around. Yeah. And then taking it to nature and listening to things. Like, don't listen to your headphones. You know, be one with yourself. You don't need a continuous stream of noise. This is your time for you. You should, you know, try and take it for you. You learn something um, from it rather than just mask it with yeah, something else. 
learn about yourself, you know, and it definitely it puts you on a journey. It makes you ask questions, and it sort of drives you, it drives you to a deeper base, you know, a deeper understanding. And suddenly, suddenly you find that you, you know, one day you're, you know, oh, I've got an interest in quantum mechanics, and it probably comes from running, because you see some shit that's just happened because you you happen to be out running at two thirty or three thirty in the morning. And the sky was really clear, and something happened in the sky, like a meteor shower came over, and then that suddenly interests you. You know that, like that interest, yeah, has come because I was just trying to lose some weight. Yeah. You know, I'm reading uh, Marcus Aurelius and a lot of the Stoics. You know, Stoic yeah. philosophy, because I wanted to lose some weight. I'm reading a book by Masashi Miyamoto and the Five Rings, which is from. Uh, I know the 1600s, the Japanese samurai warrior. Wow. Uh, a great philosophy, right? All because I wanted to lose some weight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm not trying to be like a, I'm not first, trying to be like a, no, I'm a big headed. I totally get it. That first three mile run has put you on a massive journey of learning, finding out about yourself. I'm sure the thought of opening a restaurant came at one stage on a run and you had time to think about it. It, it opens up your time to get in your own head and the the sort of manifest these things in the real life then yeah exactly you know I've, I've been talking about a noodle shop and it was my friend actually reminded me of it maybe five years previous to actually opening one on, on a run on a very long run like a 30 miler and i said that i didn't shut up about a noodle shop for like freaking 20 miles right but i didn't <laughs> it was like well at least it's taking his mind off the fucking boredom you know yeah but yeah, obviously, right? It's like it's, you kind of went through the play by play. It might not necessarily been a noodle shop, but you'd have thought about, well, if I owned a business, what would it look like? Yeah. How would it operate? Well, guess what? You've got four or five hours here to yourself to think about that. Yeah. So, you know, have a think about it. Like, people don't spend enough time thinking, and running gives you that opportunity to think, which is really fantastic. Yeah. And as you said, like, if you did tw- like 21 or- 24 hours doing 81 miles, like, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time to think there. Yeah. You know, you're on about like not every single mile was like whooping and hollering and like having your family and your friends around you supporting you and all that sort of stuff. No, there's like, some lonely, middle. lonely, dark miles in there. Yeah. Yeah, the, the start part, everybody loves you. The middle part, nobody talks to you or wants yeah. to know you. <laughs> everybody loves you again. I was yeah. like, yeah, that's really great. You know, but nobody's there with you in the middle bit. Yeah. And that, that's your, your time. Like, you need to use that time, your time for you. It's really precious to have it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a cool, it's a really cool thing. I mean, I definitely advise anybody, like, not just to run, like, 10K. Like, 10K runners are, like, I find them to be a fucking dicks, like, to be totally honest. <laughs> but I listen to them. You know, on, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I shouldn't, everybody's going, oh, you shouldn't say that. But, like, go to the 10K race. They run the six miles, and then they go to McDonald's. I'm like, well, what the, what's that about? Aye, well, what that you s- any- you've just done, done all the good you, you've done for yourself there. Yeah, like, fucking, you know, go, go, go a distance. Like, go a proper distance. Six miles, everybody can do six miles, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, do a little bit extra. And, you know, I happen to be totally honest. Like, doing an ultramarathon is, like, one of those things everybody should do. Like, like do a 39-mile one. Which is only yeah. a marathon plus a hand. There's loads of them about. They're really great. They're so much fun, and they're perfect. If you can run a marathon, you can run a. a you can do it tomorrow. Marathon. Yeah. Hundred percent. You don't need to do any extra training. You don't need to do anything special. All you have to do is think to yourself, 
I'm doing a marathon and a half, and I'm going to finish it, and it's going to be great. Yeah. And it is because, you know, every, you can run a marathon, and you'll run it to your best of your ability all the way. 39 miles, at some point you're going to be walking, and you're going to be walking with a stranger who you've never met before. who's doing the same thing, and you're going to have a great time yeah. having a chat. It's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful way to operate. It's a wonderful way to have a, you know, to, to go and do a race. The yeah. 10K thing, everybody, a thousand people turn up, everybody blasts it out, everybody pisses off. There's no real sense of community. I don't feel love. I'm not feeling any real like passion for it. Yeah. And uh, and and great. You can run six miles in you know 30 minutes, 29 minutes, whatever the whatever length of time it takes you. But I, it's, it's not. I, I just don't get that. There's no community. Yeah. You just don't feel, you don't sense me. Like you should be able to run six miles anyway. Yeah. Minimum mass. Anybody yeah. should be to do. Um. But they, I said definitely go the distance. Like get up and go a little bit further. Amazing. Like you. When I spoke to you, you were like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it, I don't know if I want to do it. I knew you wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, I just couldn't say it out loud yet. <laughs> you needed somebody to like push you across the line, and I was just like, if you're going to fucking do it, just do it. Yeah. Stop pissing about. Yeah. And then, just like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's me, I'm the one that has to do it. It is, I mean, once you actually say you're going to do it, it is amazing how... It becomes a normal thing that you can talk about to everybody and you can just get on with and people talk to you and give you information and rather than it being, it's not a dirty little secret, but you just get it out there in the open and all of a sudden, boom, all these things happen that you can just start gravitating towards it. thing is, it's so, it's so mental. Yeah. You know, it's a mental, it's like, I'm going to run 100 miles, you're crazy. You yeah. know, it's such a crazy thing. But like, I'm sure you had the oh shit moments. I, I had it when I, when I put in for the first time, like an ultramarathon. But I did three in one day. But like, I had a no shit moment. It was like, oh shit, I've just done that. Yeah. I have to do that. I mean, it's, it's like, holy fuck, I'm gonna, actually going to do this shit. Yeah. You know, it goes from being like, oh, I'm thinking about it, to now I'm doing it. The transition's very small, but like, oh my word. It's, it's uh, mega. It's mega. And like, as you said, you're going to people, like, what are you doing this year? I'm running 100 miles. Why are you doing that? Just because. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. Because I wanted to see if I could do it. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I just I finished the doctorate at the School of Economics or something. Oh, I'm running 100 miles, so shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. Unless you're going to the moon, top that. You know, really yeah. and truly. It's a great feeling. I mean, it's just such a, it's a great feeling. It's a, but uh, you, you're going you're gonna to really, really enjoy it. Like, the Connemara... Thing, the guys down there, the setting, it's, it's definitely one of the best, definitely one of the best um, setups in terms of like running ultra races. These, the stuff over in England is a little bit different. Uh, being from Northern Ireland, our humour and stuff is like you know, yeah. it's not really it's like it's not really English or it's right, really okay. English, <laughs> we're just like going, hey, and they're like, what's all this aggression, you know? And we're just being friendly. Yeah, we're just yeah. aggressive. Afterwards, you know? Yeah. Did you not know that being friendly is mocking the life out of you? That's just how we how we communicate. Throwing <laughs> you into the dirt. Yeah. Be friendly, you know. Yeah. But um, no, definitely that. That's uh, the Connemara. Is like if you're gonna do if you're gonna do anything, like Connemara, the setting's great. It's on tarmac, which is um, it's got those pluses and negatives. Um, because it's definitely a little bit harder on the joints and stuff. So it's like train up for that. Um, 
you know, it's within a sort of small area. You come through. It's, it's just a really, it's a really, really good nice race. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, can't can't wait in fairness. Just hope it happens. But I'm I'm sure like you, just keeping a head down, keeping focused on getting it getting it done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I say, like I'm nowhere. Like I'm not. Uh, this is my first race in. I'm gonna say four or five years. Like that's I'm at a starting level of fitness again. Yeah. And I'm, just, I'm doing a marathon training program. Like I have to go out after this and do a, like a 10k race. You know, like a park run type yeah. thing. Um, um, with a couple of miles and a few other bits and pieces. So I'm not even up to that 30 mile, that 30 miles. Actually, I'm only I'm only planning to do two 30 mile runs between now and um, the 100 mile race because you've got 36 hours to finish it. Yeah. You should be able to finish in 36 hours, yeah. even if you're. Yeah. You should be able to finish in 36 hours. And um, obviously, in my head, I'm like, well, I can still slot in at six. If I did it, you're going to fall into the mistake if you start to. Uh, even out your times and say you did a four-hour marathon and that's a nine-minute pace and you're probably thinking to yourself well if i did an 11-minute pace so it's plus two minutes a mile and da 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 you could come in at 17 hours like that's probably not going to happen no (laughs) i don't think it is (laughs) the fade fade ratio is a lot bigger than you people give it credit for yeah because if you if you could like the top guys will run a nine a nine-ish minute pace a little faster or less they're the top guys. Yeah. They, they will do a nine-ish minute, which is fucking insane. Four marathons back-to-back at a nine-minute pace is crazy. Superhuman. crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal to see. It's not like, so you, you need to slow it down, you know, that 12, 13-minute pace. Yeah. And be really, like, and look at your zone two training and stuff like that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's about completion. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless like, you're, fit and you're, go, you're like, I'm going to win. Well, I'm... Definitely, I'm not racing. I'm I'm taking part. <laughs> I just want to cross the line at 100 miles. Is is pretty much it. Yeah, and I think it's like don't burn all your matches at the beginning. Even if you think you're doing 12 minutes, it's a good thing. Like a, a good example, I ran a race. Um, I can't remember. It was like three or three or four years ago, and a, a mate asked me to do it, and I hadn't been training, I hadn't done any, I hadn't really done anything. I still had a pretty good level of fitness, and <clears throat> it was a, an off road thing and it was kind of arduous and I said I'm like my plan's real simple I'm going to run on the flats and walk the uphills that's it I went across the line exactly dead last the very last person across the line and I still finished in the upper upper part of the middle field just by following a run walk strategy yeah that was the game plan you know I mean? and that, that got you there and I didn't deviate from it. If there was an incline of any, I mean, if it looked like it was going up, I said, I'm walking, fuck this. Yeah. And all the other all the other rabbits were in, like, bits and pieces towards the end. And to be fair, like, I couldn't really get into my car either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally honest. Really, like, super stiff and super painful. Um, but, you know, I finished, and I finished. Like, there's a, there was 150 people started the race. Like I finished, I was in the, you know, in the 70s or the 60s or whatever. Yeah. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't going fast. I wasn't being, like, being uh, super quick or anything. Yeah. I was just being flexible. Conservative and just getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Brian, that's us over over the hour now. Uh, and we've touched on, those the mindset of it. Um, how you've applied that to your, your business. Um, I was going to ask, you know, what would be the main thing, but I think that mindset is what you were talking about, sort of sums it up. 
Um, yeah, really? That if you have it in your head, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah, it's just feeling an exam. Like you, you need to look at you look at nutrition. You look at like you need to look at everything and look at them in individual components and then how it all fits together for you as, as a person. And it's the same when you're doing business. The same as anything. Like people will tell you one thing, but until you're doing it, it doesn't really matter. Like everything's, you know, everything's just advice until yeah. you're actually doing it. Yeah. And then you're building your own your own rates. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, Brian. Absolute pleasure chatting to you again. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you, Connemara, as well. I'm sure we might, well, possibly, depending depending on what happens, might share a few miles, uh, waffling and, yeah. and talking cake. Um, but absolutely amazing. I'm glad to hear the restaurant's going real well. Um, yeah, no, Starman, thank you very much for coming on and uh, and talking us through it. Really, really, really appreciate it. And hopefully lockdown, uh, hopefully lockdown is treating you well and and. Uh, we can get through that. That seems to be a bit of an ultra endurance uh, test at the minute too. That's all right. Yeah, smart well, on, Brand. Thanks, man. That's it. I've just stopped recording that, Brand. So here, thanks very much. That was uh, that was really good. Really enjoyed that. I'll. Uh, yeah, I do.